0: Welcome back, everyone, to episode number two of officially breaking blocks. Uh, Last time we didn't have a name, but this time we do. Um, Obviously, pun on blockchain, but also breaking a bit of norms, especially from a founder's perspective to where sometimes we don't always want to talk about the ugly things that inevitable are going to happen uh, whenever you're trying to stand up a project. So today I'm super, super excited to introduce our guest, Chad Bareford, um, one of the founders and lead developers with ThorChain, where mm-hmm. he'll talk me through exactly what ThorChain is and everything. I, I won't take that from him. But... I'm also excited to hear about some of the, um, you know, hard lessons that goes into um, building any project, but especially one that was ambitious, innovative, and also very successful as well. So Chad, thank you for taking
1: time to join us today. Thanks for having me. I love the I love the coffee mug. Just kind of comes in. It's like get the steam coming out. It's a nice little touch. I like it. I like it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's like oh,
0: it's, it's floating.
1: <laughs> no, no. Thanks for thanks for having me. and Inviting me into, onto the onto the pod. Like this is an interesting topic. And obviously, as you said, like not a lot of people like to talk about it. But you have to wear your scars, you know, uh, and and be be aware. Just that, and this for the sake of educating others to learn from your mistakes yeah for sure so i look at this as much about
0: as like me trying to educate myself as a founder and builder in the space as much as like i want to educate others there too so i'm super curious to like learn and hear um as well for those like the uninitiated so to speak um why don't you just give us a quick overview of like what ThorChain is and also sort of like
1: status quo sure yeah so Thorchain's uh at at its uh, highest level it's it's a DEX right Uh, And what makes it unique and different than than all the other dixies out there is that it's chain and asset agnostic. So it can swap and add uh, assets between pretty much any blockchain out there, UTXOs, EVMs, crypto notes like Monero is possible, uh polka dot i don't know cosmos like all, all the things and so because it's able to work with any asset in any chain it can swap bitcoin to ethereum ethereum to doge doge to add avax avax to bnb BNB to something else and so it's very kind of allows you that like the liquidity to move quickly across chain without being KYCed or any of these things
2: awesome um so the first question i have like uh when i i hear that is like uh a... When you know um, like uh, all the hacks that happen uh, in the different like uh, bridge um, protocol and platforms, like uh, how do you approach that? Um, I mean, like uh, this is very very complex, but um, at the end of the day, you need to, to provide like a pro- product to end user that is safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are the hurdles to to build uh, this kind of product? I'm really yeah. curious.
1: Well, it's, first of all, I wouldn't consider Thorchain to be a bridge, right? So, to me, when you when a bridge is when you take one asset, let's just call Bitcoin, and then you cre- you lock it up, and then you mint a new mm-hmm. coin on the on the on the destination chain called TBDC or you know. Uh, WBDC or one of these things, that's a bridge because you're actually taking something and you're bridging it across and creating the asset on the other side. You're bridging the asset itself to the other, the other side. Thorchain chain is not, doesn't do that. It just swaps Bitcoin for ether, All right. And so it just, it transfers value across from one chain to the next, but not the assets across the chain. So as, as, as you would not call, you know, a Coinbase or, or a Binance, a bridge, Thorchain is identically the same to what Coinbase and Binance do but just does it in a decentralized way rather than a KYC and and uh process. And so we are uh, almost identical to what Binance does or or Coinbase, but we just do, do it in a decentralized f- fashion. Uh but you're right, bridges in the past obviously have been, you know, huge targets of attacks. Probably well over a billion dollars has been lost from, you know, uh a bunch of different bridges. And I think that's partially because bridges take on a lot of risks because they're they are centralized uh, entities, they are trustful uh, entities like you can't actually build a bridge and and have it economically. You can't do that uh, if having like wrapped tokens and such. It's just not practical. So you have to go through some sort of trusted federation. Right, all these bridges work through some sort of trusted operation. It could be, you know, uh, WBDCs through their that company uh, and other ones are for other ones. But the team is oftentimes the operators of bridges. But you have the, the centralized risk of the individuals who hold the coins, like right, actually custody of the coins, can go ahead and like steal them and run off, which has happened in the past. Right. But then you also take on the risk of like protocol risk of there being some sort of bug. Write some sort of exploit, right? So we've seen one where uh, one of the devs got, got attacked and clicked on a malicious PDF and then leaked the, the private keys to, to the attacker. And because it's centralized and that, the dev had access to the keys, coins and funds were lost. And we've also seen more like smart contract risk or code risk, protocol risk, where you lose funds to that mechanism. So you're taking like the risks of CFI. And the risks of like DeFi, and you're combining to, great, to create uh, an ultra risk system, right? And this is a problem we've seen with Bridges, which is why we've seen so much money lost. But ThorChain does not have the C5 risk. It has the DeFi risk, it has the contract risk, it has the, the protocol risk. You can't run a, a protocol and not have protocol risk, it's just not possible. But so we'd only have part of that risk. But even with that, we still have had our, you know, our, our fair share of, of scars and tax and. And these kind of things. over huh? time. Some of them intentional, some of them non-intentional. Um, we got like dust attack once from chain analysis, you know, way back when uh, we had had hacks in the early days. So um, I think what we what we learned through our process, so we've been hacked, I think total, I want to say three or four times, I could be mistaken with that. I kind of forget it was years ago, but in our earliest days of our public beta, what we called ChaosNet, right? We knew that we were launching something very complex. It took us years to design and years to build it. Not something you just like, it's not a smart contract you write in a weekend and, and deploy to Ethereum. It's something much more complicated than that. And so it took a long time to, to, to design this thing and build this thing. And we knew when we launched it, there could be bugs, there could be exploits, there could be problems. Uh, it'd be naive to think that that wasn't, wouldn't be the case. And so when we launched it, we launched it with a cap on liquidity, right? So we weren't gonna launch it and then like day one allow a billion dollars into the, the protocol. That would be, in my opinion, that'd be highly irresponsible. Uh, we've seen protocols do that and literally like day two, they have a billion dollars and then day five, there's like massive exploits. Like we've literally seen that uh, in, in DeFi a few years ago. Um, and so we had some, a couple of bugs in the early, in the early days of our beta and, and uh, which we patched worked it out we reimbursed all the funds that were lost with I think it was about 15 million in total which relative to defi that's not really a whole lot but to us it's a lot uh, and we reimbursed all the all the all the lps that lost any funds from this thing we just gave the money back to them through the treasury uh, and but we learned really important lessons right that I think I think the rest of the industry should should learn from those as well um one is that um In general, like, audits aren't as useful or as valuable as people think that they are, right? To this day, we've probably spent millions on audits. We've had, I think, uh, maybe six to 12 audits in total, like somewhere in there. We actually have an audit going on right now, uh, auditing our TSS. And to this day, none of them have ever found uh, a significant issue, not one. We've had many over the time, like, doing infrastructure audits, code audits, Structural signature audits, all sorts of different components. Not one has caught an actual like P1, like, you know, fun, you know se- severe issue. But we've had issues in the code base that just weren't discovered by those auditors, right? And so one of the things that I had learned is that auditors are not very good at finding issues in general, just because they're looking, taking a look at a code base for a short period of time, trying to find some stuff and walking off. And what's actually a much more effective tool, if you want to find bugs and exploits in your code, my recommendation for you is to is uh, not to say don't do audits, you can still do them as well, it doesn't hurt. It costs money, but it doesn't hurt. But to build your own security team, a full-time internal security team. And so we built ThorSec, which is, which is a, a group of uh, security-minded individuals who have been um, you know, white hats and black hats over their course of life and throughout DeFi. And uh, in their full-time job is to audit every bit of the code. Every time there's a code change, they will approve it. They has to be approved by, by the security team in order for any code to be merged to, merged to master. So it just becomes like a, a continuous process of security rather than doing an audit in a particular moment in time. And then, all right, we did our security check. We're good, right? It's, it's much more effective to have somebody who's long term aligned to the project, who's highly invested to in it, and want and really wants to see the thing succeed, whereas an auditor joint doesn't give a shit whether your project succeeds or not, uh, and they, they 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 just have a long view of it, and they're constantly looking and constantly trying to find problems, constantly trying to to solve issues, and and, and are around for that. That's a much more effective way to, to handling this stuff. And so I would recommend anybody any team out there. To build your own security team to constantly work on security and making sure things. That's you know,
2: that's a, a super interesting approach. Like uh, you have basically built your own red team uh, mm-hmm. within the the company. Um, so that's really cool. But do they um, uh, do they code as well, or they are very independent? Like because uh, the you could have like a, a certain. Uh, they could do the same mistake like because it's the same code base at some point like you uh, it's not that you get bored but you you get used to and so you are not as sharp as uh as uh, you were uh, mm-hmm. in the early days so how do you handle that on a, on your side
1: yeah i mean they do code um like well they can code they don't code very often to be honest um they they will um they will comb the, the 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 code base, and they will when they find something that they feel would be this could be adjusted from a security perspective. Like sometimes that's just like something as simple as removing dead code. Sometimes it's more complex of refactoring the code to to operate uh, st- structured differently. Um, like cache. Um, one example is uh, one of the team uh, had, had the ability for the network to have better. Um, Caching of the context of a like of the changes, like caching the changes that are being made in the in the chain, and not committing it until everything passes, everything there's no errors or anything else. So that was like one example of thing they re- refactored so that we could catch uh, bugs earlier. That wouldn't be you know uh, have less opportunity for issues to to, to exist through that kind of code change. So they definitely do code change from time to time, but say the majority of their time is just spent. Uh, reviewing and auditing current PRs that the devs are predominantly making of adding new features or fixing bugs or what what have you. So Chad, whenever you talked about this, like this hack that you were speaking
0: about, the $50 million one, you said you've had like three or four, which one mm-hmm. was, that? was that? Like the most recent one that I, I think I remember seeing, or was that early, in the early days as well?
1: Oh, no, they're all in the early, they all happened within like a couple of weeks, you know, oh, really? uh, two years ago right so the source of all these all those those problems was because the developer building the connection to ethereum Mm -hmm. wasn't a solidity developer and didn't understand all the gotchas all the booby traps Mm -hmm. within solidity and there is a fuck ton of those right and so he didn't quite understand what could be manipulated within a transaction on ethereum Uh and our, our guy that did know solidity fairly well wasn't working side by side with him, and should have been. That was the root of every one of the issues we had, and all of them were based manipulation, solidity-based, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. We've since obviously solved all those issues, and we haven't had an issue since. That's been we haven't had a, a bug, uh, we had an exploit in since since then. So it's been uh, two, three years, whatever the hell the number is. Um, but that was just part of that dev uh, just not having a good understanding of solidity got you so so walk me through what the what the days look like from
0: like your perspective whenever the hacks are occurring because two years onward like you're super well composed and you're like ah, you know shit happens like it's 15 mil here 15 mil there what the fuck you gonna do (laughs) but like in the moment i'm sure it wasn't like that so walk us like what like what that looks like and sort of um kind of like the all hands on deck process as you're going through hack one and then you're like fuck man hack two and three but ultimately coming out on the opposite end which we see now where you can look back on it
1: and say super glad those things happened yeah yes um so they're not fun as you could probably guess um and they're highly fucking stressful and they happen um you know anytime middle of the night middle of the day, you know, I think at one of them, I was like at the zoo with my wife and my wife's sister. <laughs> and, and, and I'm just like, I got to go home right now. <laughs> you know what even mean? Like, I got to get home real fast. Uh, so they can happen anytime. And, and they're highly stressful, right? And the whole community is, you know, also, you know, watching this happen. And they're they have a thousand questions, and we have a thousand questions, and and you know, all the devs and the, the, get get on and try to figure out what's happening, and blah blah blah, and all these things. And and um, we have built in something we call the mere admin, which is basically a, an ability for devs to be able to pause trading, for example. It can't like withdraw funds or anything like this. Can only just like pause some operational things, some features, or some trading, or a particular chain, or something like stuff. And so that was very helpful to be able to to pause things when something's going wrong, especially in those early days of those beta when you're still kind of like finding your footing in a sense. Uh, and so that's very helpful. So you can pause things, look, do an analysis of the what, what the transaction what came through, what like what it triggered what, and then try to figure out what the bug was, find the solution. And then, but that's not all, like people are freaking out. People are yelling, you know, within, in, in, the, in the discords and they're like upset about X, Y, and Z. They're oftentimes like, oh, it's an inside job or like, you know, the the, 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 the conspiracy comes out rather quick and it starts yelling about like, you know or something like this, right? And it's always, ev- everything is always an inside job, apparently. It's always a rug. It's always a rug. It's always a, it's always, it's always sometimes a rug. Sometimes it is. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes it's not. But, uh, and then it becomes the long-term process of like, all right, how do we make it right? Right? So we, you know, 15 million total out, out of the total, I think it was three or four uh, uh, hacks, 15 million total, how do we make it right? And then we have to find the, the, the funds to, to do so, right? And we did that mainly through the treasury, I think to go loan out through uh, some uh, Ethereum protocol, I can't remember which one it was, Top of my head, that was a long time ago. Um, but that's the other part too, right? And, and long-term, like that's, the, once you've been hacked, that that shadow, does not just like go away even to this day it's still something we obviously talk about we're talking about it right now which is perfectly fine but it's just kind of a shadow that's just cast over the project over a long period and people like lose lose trust in it because of it which i understand why like i don't blame anybody for that but at the same time like almost every project in crypto like 90 percent of them have gone through you know one exploit or a hacker or, or, or whatever like everything like uniswap has i think and 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 uh, compound has and you know it's just it's just a common thing to happen because it's code like and you can't write perfect code it's not possible it's always going to have bugs it's always going to have issues it's hopefully the bugs aren't severe ones right yeah
0: I think uh, that, that's a really great point yeah. like as you're talking about where you lose, there's a long shadow that's cast on it. So even with one hack to the fourth hack, like how are you guys managing that? Because one hack's one thing, but then like another one comes in successive days or weeks and then another and then another. So like this space is very short oriented Mm -hmm. short-term focused and yes they are always quick to point the finger like oh what an unprofessional team how the hell could they get hacked it's a rug and all these different things so obviously like in my opinion Thor and I've known you for a while, Chad but Thor chain is one of the best managed product projects but more than that it's got one of the most like fervent communities of people that appreciate what it is but then also around the token rune there as well Mm -hmm. so how did you guys go through that process and still manage in you know two years forward to come out on the opposite side? Because it's really interesting.
1: Yeah. So um, uh, a lot of projects do not have what I call I call like grit, right? And the in the ability to like when the days are the darkest and it looks like the whole thing is done, right? And to have the the pair of balls to, to stay in it. And oftentimes you see a lot, of, a lot of projects just kind of exit in the bear market and because token prices down, communities are upset, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and for a lot of founders at that time, they've already, they've already made, you know, millions from the bull market and they're like, you know, fuck it. I don't need to do this anymore. Fuck this shit, you know, and they just walk off into a sunset with their money. And that's, that's obviously not the right mentality to have for sure. And so for us, we went through, you know, several you know, hacks in a very short period of time, and and they were all just from the same thing. It was all from just like Ethereum related things that the dev didn't really quite understand. It's all like the same root, you know, cause of it all. And then after like I think the third one ever, we just we just decided, you know what, we're gonna put everything on pause for months, and we're gonna we're gonna restructure this entire thing from a security perspective, right? And so we that's when we built the, the Thorsec team. We we went out, we we hired. Uh, security people to come in. We made changes around uh, what we call the solvency checker. So then the network checks its own solvency, and every, as soon as things gets insolvent, it just self pauses to have it kind of be defensive, right? In the way that it works. So uh, we did that. We did we did like delayed outbounds. Another thing we added. So when we have a lot of funds going out, those uh, those funds get delayed for up to one hour before they actually get signed and sent out. So if somebody sent in some like fake Ethereum tokens, let's just say. So like, we think we have, you know, a 500 Ethereum tokens, but in reality it's, you know, zero. Uh, And then we will find something, the Solomon people will be like, oh, hey, we think we have 2000, you know, Ethereum tokens in total, but we only have 1500. The, this this ain't this ain't right, right? And then we'll just go ahead and pause it. So before the funds are even sent, because those are delayed, the entire chain is just paused. So, is an automatic kind of defense mechanism that has like a very kind of like broad ranging, uh, system. So like that, that, even if you find some new exploit that we don't not work, not aware of, aware of, we get this kind of blanket layer of protections through the delayed outbounds through solvency checkers and all these and a series of other things as well. And that's, that to me is like the smart way of going at it is, is, is to is to be, is to find as many like blanket protections because like, you will never know whether or not there are more exploits in your code. Like it's it's, it's a known unknown. You know that you don't know if there's more or not. And you can spend all the money you want and hire all the devs you want and to do all the audits you want to, to do as many things to review the code as many times as you want. But, it's a needle in a haystack oftentimes and you may not find all the needles and you don't know how many needles are actually in the haystack. And so, you know, that some level there could be more exploits. You never know if there is not. And so the best thing to do is just to create as many like blanket protections as possible. So even if somebody finds a needle in that haystack, they wouldn't be able to extract the funds from the network. Right. That's like, that's what I had realized, what I learned through those, that process of those dark days back then was that, we will never know if there's more exploits. There's not not possible to let's just figure out the best protections, blanket protections of the networks we can apply. So that even if somebody were to find an exploit tomorrow, it wouldn't it wouldn't really yield anything. In fact, the delayed outbound is designed in a very interesting way where because of that delay, it makes more financial sense for a black hat to be a white hat, because you will actually make more money on the bug bounty Right. And that's another thing you should have, a bug bounty, by the way. But you'll make more money on the bug bounty than you would in extracting the funds because the funds wouldn't not much of the funds would be able to leave. So you've actually like inverted the economics, the incentives of being a black hat versus white hat and said that, you know what? Everybody should be a white hat because you'll make more money as a white hat than you would as a black hat.
2: That's interesting. Um I, I'd like to come back on the uh say that uh, those events were very very stressful like mm-hmm. um do, do, do you have, uh can we come back on that like do you have advice like for founders or one of the founders to be maybe prepared for those events uh because I imagine like uh, maybe because of the stress like uh everyone yelling at, at you it can be like uh, really annoying like uh, when you want to to find and understand the problem and maybe Actually, post the things, etc. So, do you have advice for funders to be prepared for those different events?
1: Yes. Um, if you find yourself in that scenario, unfortunately, uh, do your research. Do a deep del- like deep dive into what happened. Try not to to like to say anything too early, right before you know it. Just keep it very vague in the beginning of like we're aware of a- unusual activity, whatever it is uh and devs are looking into it we'll let you know once we've done our full analysis if you start getting too early and start like well it could be this and it could be that and like you know we have some reason to believe it's this but maybe something's over here you you just create confusion and hysteria and more kind of like people that things that people to like latch onto and and extrapolate new ideas and and kind of go off into the into you know some fairy tale land of like oh this is all the wallets were hacked and this happened and then that and then the rug happened and the, i don't know it's so it's better just in the early days before until you actually fully understand what happened to just keep it vague and keep it simple and say as little as you can and then once you know done you then you research done your like your investigation whatever it is you want to call it and you know what happened then you can write you know a blog post or whatever it is and 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 explain what happened explain what you're going to do about it and how you're going to pre- prevent it in the future
0: that was a really good question, Merlin. And that's a really like that's a really good answer, Chad, as well. So you you mentioned one thing or two things that stu- stood in my mind. And I think it's front of my mind because as we talk right now, we're sort of in the dog days of, of the bear market and all projects that are still um, you know, around kicking and, and fighting, um, they have to have balls and they have to have grit to keep going um, in the face of who knows, like the next turn of the bull cycle has been, people have been saying that for a a bunch of time now, but at the end of the day, no one really knows. So you just have to keep marching forward and trying to tackle your vision, whether that uh, your roadmap is six months, 12 months, or you're just looking out at that North Star as to what your original vision, your end state was whenever you decided to start the project. And I, I know that is kept me going in a lot of ways. I agree wholeheartedly that um, this space, like especially with bear markets, it's filled with weak people. Like, and that goes from top to bottom, not just talking about founders, but also investors and all advisors, service providers, et cetera. Like whenever shit hits the fan, they don't have the balls to keep moving forward. And everyone's got their own breaking point. No one is immune or a machine, but I think whenever you have a vision as to like what, why you get up and do what you do and eat the shit that you eat on a daily basis, it allows you to take more punches than other yep. people necessarily would be able to do. So from your perspective, like what is your like vision? What is you or, or your team's like end state that allows you to not only weather what you went through as we're talking about these three these exploits that were two years ago, but now coming out seemingly in a bear market, but more than that building, probably you you guys have been busier more than ever in a bear market. And it now seems to be turning the corner and benefits, um, you know, for, for you and the team. So what is that, that end state or that vision or that goal that allows you guys to continue to get up and eat the shit that you guys
1: eat on a daily basis? Um, well, it's not money. And so for a lot of projects, a lot of de- uh, devs and founders, the, the goal is money. And if the goal is money, then if the money's gone, then you're you're gonna be gone too. So that's that's the first thing. Um the second thing is uh for us, we're 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 mostly concerned about uh removing centralized points within the industry, right? Uh, Satoshi kick us off on this whole decentralized notion. And yet we're still highly reliant on many centralized figures and, and like Texas, uh, uh, Binance and Coinbase and such. And so we really think that not only can we build a decentralized exchange that can go cross-chain and support the biggest assets in the world like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, and so forth and so on, but we can do it more effectively, more cost-effective, more more cheaply, uh, with, more, uh, with better UI, better UX than you can possibly do in the CFI world. And so like... We have a viewpoint that ThorChain should become the largest exchange in the world, bar none. They like by trade volume, it will one day surpass every centralized exchange and decentralized exchange. To me, that's an inevitable thing. I mean, even Uniswap does a billion dollars a day and it trades Ethereum and shit tokens. <laughs> that's what it does, right? That's all, that's, that's exactly the thing that it does. And yet, uh, the Bitcoin ETH trade is like the most important, Bitcoin uh, stablecoin trade is like the most liquid you know, pair that we have in, in crypto. And so while these exchanges do 10, 20, 30 billions of dollars of, in, in, in trade volume, all that can be done on chain, all that can be done with f- faster efficiency, with better uh, velocity of money than what you can see in that. And so that, that's kind of the viewpoint. Um, we also believe very strongly that like DeFi uh, doesn't have to be uh, uh, attached to a particular chain. Then we can build the same DeFi primitives of like AMMs, lending modules, uh, lending systems, uh, all sorts of different things, Like even NFTs, whatever. All that stuff can be done in a chain agnostic way. And when you do that way, you're actually engaging with a much larger community, not just engaging with the Ethereum community, but you do Ethereum plus Bitcoin plus this, plus that, plus this. And it's much more uh, like long term makes sense that that's the way that it should be. Right and so, I know that it's possible. I know that it's happening. I know how I know how to build it, and we've already built the vast majority of that. And so, I'm not done with, with this this concept personally until I see Thorchain become the biggest exchange in the industry. I love it. Thank you, yeah. Merlin. Any any sort of final uh,
0: questions or, or parting shots um, for for Chad when while we got him.
2: No, I think uh, it was really interesting to 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 hear you chat on on all those like um like, uh, the the exploit that you face. and 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 uh, but uh, you you faced that and you you continued uh, working and uh, here we are. I, I don't know what's uh the the liquidity, but I I think it's quite a, a big number. Uh so mm-hmm. yeah, that's um, um I think um like many founders could um. Maybe learn about that experience and like uh, be more prepared for those events. That I just say, like ninety percent of um, every um DeFi protocols have at some point uh, had uh, some issues in their code. So I think it, this is uh, very important to be prepared to to have that in mind. That audit are not uh, the 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 way to go. There are many. Uh, as you say, blankets to add uh, all the security, uh, to enhance the security of the protocol of the project. And so I think it's uh, really, uh, really interesting. Maybe if if you have like some resources or like, uh, um, I don't know, uh, some notes on on those experiences it could be really helpful for for founders or wannabe founders.
1: Well, one advice I would give to founders, especially about operating in bear markets is to be focused on the fundamentals focus on the, the the KPIs forget about like prices outside of your reach in some sense, right? It's just, it's, it's not, it. you can push the micro, but the macro is going to push you around, you know, one direction or the other. And so in ThorChain's case, like our, our fundamentals are stronger today than they were at the top of the bull market. Like we have more traders, we have more volume. We have like, like everything except for price and maybe TVL uh, is, up and to the right, at the bottom of the bear market, but we're outperforming the top of of the bull, which is pretty crazy. And that's a really good way to get through the the bear market is just stay focused on like your important KPIs and deliver new features, new things, new whatever it is, uh, new integrations, for example, we have more wallets today than we've ever had ever. So it's like, stay focused on those and keep on delivering so that you're kind of like loading the spring in a matter of speaking, so that when the market does go bull, you know, after, x number of years whatever hell the time frame is you've already done the hard work during the bear to prepare yourself for that and then when things go you know up and crazy and bubble mentality and people yelling about you know safe moon over the fuck bullshit meme coin might be uh that you've already loaded the spring so so tightly that you're gonna pop off like that's so that that the, the KPIs that you've delivered on will will just create a huge amount of Uh, volume and such for for whatever the the thing that you're that you're working on or building awesome that was the question that i was gonna
0: that i was gonna ask i was like do you have any uh final parting words of wisdom for
1: (laughs) for any for any founders or builders ignore the price focus on the fundamentals what are you providing what is the problem you're trying to solve are you solving it how do you measure that right and for us you know, it's, it's volume, it's, it's, you know, unique swappers, it's a bunch of different KPIs, uh, TVL is another one we look at. Uh, but how do you, how do you solve those problems? How do you get more volume, all these kind of things? That's what I recommend. And, and then if you do that, then you, you care less about the price being, you know, in the shit or whatever, or even the price that's, you know, going bonkers, either direction, fairly ignore that as noise and focus on the signal, which is your KPIs. Awesome. I, I think this this
0: conversation has been really great. Not only talking us through like hacks and the response to it and how stressful it is, but then also uh, a bit of the psychology as to how you get through those really really stressful events to where if you focus on what got you into it from the beginning while having an operational mindset to you know sort through the security issues investigate focus on communications whenever you understand exactly what happened you can ultimately come out the opposite end um, better than whenever you started because it's not a if shit hits the fan in this market it's a when and having this kind of like blueprint to understand and navigate I think is going to be really, really valuable. Um, And I know it's certainly been illuminating for me. So Chad, uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your probably your busy day and and week to shed light and educate myself, Merlin, but also our listeners as well. And we can't wait to have you on another
1: episode, hopefully in the not too distant future. Yeah, I'm always down to come back Invite me again.